Good morning. Thanks for the singing, the communion, the welcome, etc. It's good to be able to worship God this morning. The weather is getting nicer and nicer. That's incredible. Next weekend, Megan and I head over to Brisbane, Australia, to visit the church there. They're having their annual church retreat, so we'll be over in Brisbane, spending time with the church there. But to give them a slice of encouragement, we thought we'd take a brief video, a panoramic video of us encouraging them, saying something along the likes of, Hello, Brisbane. <laughs> Something like that. So what we could do is, is Megan will, we'll, yeah, she'll pop up there and take a quick video. And we can all stand. You can say hello. Whatever you want to say. Well, not whatever you want to say. <laughs> it's probably best if we all say the same thing. So something, hello, Brisbane. That's what we're going to say. Hello, Brisbane. So you want to count them? Yeah, let's stand. <laughs> So, so here we go. Three, two, one. That was incredible. Hope everyone has a great day. We'll see you next week. We're, we are excited. John and Penny Hansel lead the church there. We're excited to spend time with them and build our friendship and be with the church there. And of course, brag about the church here in Auckland and all the great things that God is doing. So we're excited. Turn over to John chapter 8. And we'll talk about freedom and how Jesus sets us free this morning. I believe it is a desire that's common to everyone, the, the desire for freedom. And we see it at different stages throughout our life, I believe. There was a survey conducted of teenagers... And they asked teenagers the reason why they did something their parents disapproved of. That's kind of a scary survey. But nine out of the ten teenagers surveyed said the reason they did something their parents disapproved of was the pursuit of their own freedom. So even as teens, we feel this quest or this, this desire to be free from the bondage of parenting, or whatever you might think it is. At universities in the U.S., and perhaps several over the world, they have mottos. And those mottos even give this thought. They even quote from this scripture. John Hopkins, a major university in the U.S., as its motto, says, The truth will set you free. Now... That motto means the more education you get, the more freedom you have. That's their version. But the truth will set you free. And if you've ever seen William Wallace or Braveheart, the incredible scene where he's fighting for Scottish independence, and even if they're ready to kill him, freedom! It's so inspiring. So whether you're a teen or whether you're trying to get educated or whether you're fighting against the system... We all have this quest for freedom. You've probably felt it personally in your own life. The desire to be free from something. Now the Bible claims that the desire for freedom and freedom itself is only found through Jesus. Not freedom from parenting or freedom as you gain education or freedom from systems, but freedom from Jesus. In addition, the Bible would say our quest for freedom is misdirected. We think if our parents let us go out of the house, that's freedom. We think if we get more education, we're free. We think if we overthrow the man, we're free. But the Bible says, no, being free is being free from sin. Yeah. 
And that's our greatest need. And in fact, I think our greatest need is to understand our greatest need. That we need to be free from sin. And since belief in Jesus alone leads us to this freedom, we should pursue Jesus. Let's pray and read our passage from John chapter 8 this morning. God, we're grateful to worship you and hear your word. I believe the more we think about you and read your word and meditate on who you are, the gap between us as humans and you as a divine being is clearly made visible. And we pray that as we read these scriptures, it helps us to be enlightened more about who you are and to fall in love with our Lord and Savior and to follow him more closely. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen. John chapter 8, starting in verse 31. John 8, verse 31. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We're Abraham's descendants, and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. I know that you're Abraham's descendants, yet you're looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. I am telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence, and you are doing what you heard from your Father. And as we'll see, these become fighting words for the Jews. Verse 39, Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you are looking for a way to kill me. A man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the works of your own father. And here they take a shot at Jesus. There is a circulating theory that people thought Jesus was illegitimately conceived. You know, it's, oh yeah, you're from the Holy Spirit. Oh sure, that's kind of the the vibe going around. And so they, they kind of take a shot at Jesus. We are not illegitimate children. That's what they say. They protest. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? Here's the kind of request Jesus puts out there. If you can prove me guilty or if you cannot, why not listen to me? I'm giving you truth. If I am telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? Verse 47, whoever belongs to God, hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. This is quite a conversation Jesus is having with the Jews. It almost seems like he's purposefully riling them up. 
Because in verse 31 it says, they believed in him. Jesus is speaking and teaching and some people start to say, I believe this guy. And then he seems to shift his focus and say, okay, since you believe, or at least you claim to believe, let me expose, you really don't believe. And he goes on and he he wants to challenge their views on belief and what it means to be free. Let's look at three points this morning. First, we need to admit our need. Second, we need to make room for the truth. And last, let Jesus set you free. Firstly, admitting our need. In this passage, Jesus again is clearly trying to get them to see something. Anytime a conversation ends, as it does in verse 50, you know it's a heated conversation. 59, rather. At this, they picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. If you've ever been in a conversation and people start gathering stones, you better slip away into the crowd. This is a heated conversation. And through it all, the Jews... Do not see their need. And they're unwilling, really, to see their need. If if you hear the conversation throughout this chapter, the Jews say something like this to Jesus. Abraham is our father. We don't need any other freedom. And Jesus says, not really. You're slaves to sin. And then they'll respond, seriously, Jesus, we've grown up in church. Our dad's the pastor. We, we know all this stuff. We know the drill. And Jesus will say, yeah, you've grown up in church, but you actually follow Satan. Man, this, this is harsh. If I overheard this conversation at church, I think, what is that person saying? What are they trying to do? And then the Jews will say, Jesus, you're crazy. You're demon possessed. You're just out of your mind. And Jesus will finally say, no, I'm sane. And I'm telling you the truth. You're a slave to sin. And so you can feel the tension of Jesus conversating with these Jews. And and his argument centers in verse 34. Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. That's just true. And it's not just committing one sin. The idea is that whoever is caught in a lifestyle or whoever sins habitually, they're not free. And Jesus say, Jesus say, no, 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 let me understand, let me help you understand, you aren't free and you need to admit your need. Now, if you think about it, when, when people tell us not to do something, there's a potential for us to respond, you can't tell me what to do, you can't tell me how to live my life, I'm free, right? We, we've all probably experienced that or we've personally or we've experienced it by trying to help someone. For instance, if you say you shouldn't, I don't know, whatever, you shouldn't smoke or you shouldn't drink or you shouldn't gamble, they could respond, you know what, you can't tell me what to do, I'll live my life the way I want to live my life, right? (laughs) However, it's interesting because when people engage in those behaviors and they become habit, it's not really what they want to do anymore, it's what sin wants them to do. They're not free, When a habit becomes so forming that it becomes a part of you, you're enslaved to that. And that's Jesus' point. Everybody who's caught in this lifestyle of sin is a slave to sin and needs to admit their need. If you've ever read or been or studied any 12-step program, that's one of the essential pillars. Admit you need help. And Jesus is trying to, to... 
tell these guys, you need real freedom. You need real freedom. You need to admit your need. I don't know how many times I've tried, attempted to help my kids with trivial chores and they don't see their need for help. I don't know how many times I've tried to help all of my kids really put on their shoes and they think, they, I don't, I, whatever their phrase was, I buy myself. I buy myself. And the shoes are clearly on the wrong feet. Sometimes they're not even their shoes. Do you need some help? I buy myself. I buy myself. Clearly not by yourself. You need help. And I, and I see this in, in this appear in our own lives, you know. I, I think if, if you're a seeker, meaning if you think you have curiosity about God, if you want to know more about God, then you need help. And, and, I, and the reason I would say that is try. Here's my challenge for you. Try this week. If, if you're trying to find out about God, try to stop being cynical for a week. Just try it, because I, I know how the mentality is. You see somebody make a good decision, and you think, that's probably not going to last long. Or you think, yeah, that, that's not, or try, to, try for a week to stop being judgmental. Just try for a week, and whatever the, you, you see, oh, I probably know better that person. Or it, just notice your mentality. Notice the way you think. Try to stop being insecure. Try to not think, oh, what are people thinking about me if I do this, or I don't do this. Or try to stop lusting. Or try to stop being deceptive. Just try harder and see how it works for you. It won't work. Because that's the whole point. Jesus says there's slavery involved and you need help. And so for anybody really trying to find God, there's this idea that I have, I have to admit I need help. For Christians, it's a similar thing. We still need God. We still need grace. We still need the Holy Spirit. We still need scriptures. We still need fellowship. We still need to admit our need. Just, just notice this week how much you rely on your own inclinations, your own wisdom, your own ancestry, as they say in here. Abraham is our father. Or today we say, I've been in the church 20 years, or I did this, or whatever it is. Realize how much you rely on your own self. And clearly see, we have to admit our need. Amen? Secondly, make room for the truth. That's what Jesus essentially says to this group in verse 37. I know who you are. I, I know you're Abraham's descendants. That's verse 37. Yet you're looking for a way to kill me. Because you have no room for my word. This is interesting because all, all throughout this discussion, there's a mentality among the Jews that will not budge. There's no room for truth. All throughout this discussion, verse 33, we know who we are. We're confident of our history. That's what verse 33 basically says. Verse 39, we know where we're from. We're not illegitimate. We know our background. We know our history. Verse 48. Aren't we right to say this about you? Are we not right? Verse 52. Now we know. We're sure you're demon possessed. Verse 57. Jesus will comment about Abraham and they basically say, there's no way that's true. There's no way. All throughout this conversation, there's an unwillingness to budge. 
They're not interested in learning from Jesus. Instead, they're content with a superficial belief system. Abraham is our father. That's our history. That's good enough for me. Jesus says, no, you, you, gotta, you need to make some room. You don't have any room for my word because you're so unwilling to budge on your own position. Their position, we know Abraham, that's all we need to know. Jesus says, you need to make room. If you've seen the movie Forrest Gump, it's a classic. But when poor Forrest gets on the bus, his first trip to school, and you know the scene, he looks for places to sit down, and there's at least three, potentially more kids, that have obvious spaces in their seat for Forrest Gump. And you know the this seat's taken. That's the classic American Southern. This seat's taken. That's that's what's going on. And, and, but there's clearly a spot there. But it's their unwillingness. You'll see each of them kind of slide over. Oh, there's no room here. There's no room here. And then finally, Jenny, whatever she says, peas and carrots for it. Whatever. What's she say? You can sit here, Forrest, and the love begins. But there's, there's a similar concept, though, with, with those that aren't making room for God's word. There's clearly, a spa- there's clearly a gap in all of our knowledge. None of us know everything. There's clearly a limit into how much we've experienced. There's clearly limits to how much we know. And yet... In this passage, they're saying, we don't have any room for the truth. We're not willing to listen to you, Jesus. So if you think about this in in real day life, if if you're trying to seek God, if you're new to church, or if you're new to God, or if you're new to the Bible, just know that at some point, your belief system and your lifestyle will be challenged by Jesus. That's a truth. Just know that. And when you hear truths from Jesus, from the Bible, from God, that you agree with, it's all going to be good. Because a lot of the things a lot of people agree with. We should love people. We should help people. We should give to the poor. And hey, that's amen. That's awesome. But then when Jesus says, oh, but you have to be willing to die for me. And you have to be willing to put me first over your family. Then if we don't believe that, there's going to be some tension that starts to mount. And it's at these tension points where you can decide to say, oh, I don't have any room for that. I'm not going to make room. That's probably a better way to phrase it. I'm not gonna, this seat's taken, Jesus. I, I can't let you move in with that belief system. But we need to make room. And that's my encouragement for anybody trying to see God is, is hey, I, I'll make some room. I'll hear what you have to say, Jesus. It may be difficult. I may not agree with it. It may rub me the wrong way, but I'm going to make some room and I'm going to listen to what you have to say. And if you've grown up in church, you probably know the Bible stories, Jonah and the whale, which is playing today in our theaters back there, or whatever these stories are, you're probably familiar with some, some of these. You probably have enough Bible verses to throw around in fellowship and say, oh, that reminds me of Psalm 23 when David did, you know, you probably have some lingo to, to toss around. And if you've gone to church your, your whole life and your belief has been formed by whatever the pastor says, Or if your belief system has been formed by what your parents say or what your grandparents say, you need to make room for more truth. You need to make room for more truth. That's that's my background. Whatever pastor said, 
that became my belief. Whatever mom said, that became my belief. But when I read the Bible, I had to make room for what Jesus was saying. And not what I had heard. And, and you'll experience that as well. You'll be challenged about what you really believe. At some point in your life, whether if you're pursuing Jesus or you're a Christian, you'll be confronted and challenged about what you believe and how you live. Expect it. Jesus, Jesus is talking to people who believe. In verse 31. And he wants to help them see, no, it's not just a superficial belief. Now, if here's how to know if you're making room or not making room. If you have a tendency to attack the person trying to communicate to you, you're not making any room. That's what's going on here. Jesus is saying, look, you're really not free. You're a slave to sin. And they say, oh, you're demon possessed. Man, that's harsh. They're attacking him. And, and so I found that in my life, if someone brings up something, oh, you don't know, you don't know the whole story. You're a young Christian. You don't know this. I'm a leader. There's no room, right? If, if you find yourself getting angry at the person, you, you, need, you need to step back and say, I need to make room because maybe they have something that's truthful that I need to hear. Or maybe you're so convinced of your position or your point that there's no room for growth or correction or refinement. Or you can't imagine another perspective. That's these guys. There's no way that could be true, Jesus. There's no way. I'm not going to make room for your truth. And maybe the older we get as Christians, sometimes, unfortunately, we may have a reputation of not making room for truth. Yeah. And this, this is meant to wake us up and help us see we always need to make room for truth. We need to be sensitive to truth. Amen. Whenever God's word or someone in the fellowship tries to help us, we need to, we need to be able to hear God's word and make room for the truth. The Bible's encouragement and my encouragement is make room for this truth. If someone confronts you, if someone tries to teach, correct, or expose Say, help me understand. Help me understand what you're trying to say. Avoid the temptation to get angry. Make room for truth. Lastly, let Jesus set you free. In verse 36, that's Jesus' solution for this slavery that he's talking about to the Jews. So if the Son, in verse 36, if the Son sets you free, you will be free Indeed. That's an interesting way to phrase it because he says, if the Son sets you free, the action is on Jesus' part. If the Son sets you free, not if you try to make yourself free. And that's actually what Jesus is doing right here in this passage. He's trying to set them free from a captive mindset. He's pleading with them. He's arguing with them in a logical way. He's, he's trying to expose them. He's, I want to set you free. If you read through the scriptures, that's, that's the main story line of the Bible. Jesus comes to earth to set us free. We could summarize the Bible in some sense in that statement. In the prophets, in the Old Testament, here's a phrase that appears at least four times. In the book of Isaiah, chapters 42, 49, 58, and 61. And it's a variation of this phrase, but the idea stays the same. And Isaiah the prophet looks ahead and says, Hey, one day someone will come that will set captives free from prison 
He'll release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. And they were all waiting for this person. And when Jesus comes to earth and his first time preaching in his hometown, he goes to the synagogue and he finds a scroll, which is really cool because Jesus knew his Bible obviously really well. He opens up the scroll and the Bible says he found this place and he points to it and he starts reading and it's that very passage. And he says, here I am. I've come to set people free. And they try to throw him off a cliff. But that's, that's the role of Jesus. I've come to set people free. It's not, it's not freedom from your parents. It's not freedom from educational institutions. It's not freedom from political systems. It's freedom from sin. And here I am. And he rolls up the scroll. Then he sits down. He says, today it's here. I've come to set you free. That's awesome. You and I can't set ourselves free. You can try, but it won't work. You can't live a good enough life. I can't live a good enough life. We can't live a good enough life to set ourselves free. What do we get set free from? Well, it says we get set free from sin. Here in this, later in verse 51, it says we're free from death. Those who obey my word will never see death. You'll pass on into eternal life and and you get freedom from isolation, freedom from shame, freedom from guilt, freedom from fear. Jesus looks to set us free from all of that. And only he has the power and desire to set us free. It was a cold and dark cell in which a prisoner named Barabbas sat in. He's in the Gospel of Mark. And he's known on the left side for committing murder and rebellion. And he's on death row. And he's sitting in his cell, waiting, chained, hand and foot. It's cold in his cell. And he's fearing for his life. And then during a commotion, the guards who are normally coming to execute prisoners, when they knock on his door and he hears the knock and he knows it's time for his execution and they lift him up and lead him out of his cell and you know how it is when your your eyes adjust from darkness to light. He comes out of the cell and he's peering into the light and he hears the commotion of a crowd and he thinks, I'm going to be executed. And they bring him out and then he hears the commotion and something about a guy named Jesus and something about they want to kill him. And it's chaos. That's the scene in Mark 15. It's chaotic. And they want to kill an innocent man. And then finally the request is, well, here's a murderer and here's a rebel. Should I let him go or should I let Jesus go? And you had to imagine what was going on in the mind of Barabbas. There's a high possibility I could walk away free. And not die. That's this scene that's going on. And, and in that scene, in Mark 15, Jesus literally sets Barabbas free from prison and death. And he walks away. And we never hear anything more about Barabbas. 
Now, this, this in essence, is, is the nutshell. It is, it is the seed of the gospel message. And we see it very clearly in Mark 15. There's a prisoner waiting to be executed. Jesus outside. They exchange. Barabbas walks free. Jesus handed over to be flogged and will eventually be killed. That's the storyline of the gospel. That's it. He's setting Barabbas free, but in... In a larger way, he sets you and I and us free. You cannot do it on your own. I cannot do it on my own either. Now, the flip side of that image is Barabbas trying to escape prison by himself. And it will be a lot of effort, a lot of creativity, a lot of energy. But the result, he's probably not going to escape. And if he does, it's going to be temporarily and they're going to track him down. And then it'll be in a worse position than he first began. And, and therein is the approach to the gospel as well. If, if, if you understand the message of the gospel, it's not let me try harder to be a good person. Let me go to church. Let me read my Bible. Let me pray. Let me talk to people. Let me whatever. It's, I just want to be set free. It's more of a mentality initially that leads to a lifestyle. Yeah. And that's the mentality that Barabbas possibly could have had. But it's for anybody who seeks Jesus. They can definitely have. You mean I get to walk away free? You mean all the sin, all the trouble, all the enslavery, all the slavery of my life, I can walk away free? Jesus can set me free? That is the gospel. And it's a mentality that should create an overwhelming sense of joy. I try to imagine Rabbis walking out of there and like doing backflips. Or he could have went back to his old lifestyle. But why? Why? And it's the same thing when you see people graduate high school, they throw their hats in the air, they throw whatever in the air. When they graduate university, they oh, we're free, like it was prison. But there's this overwhelming mentality, now we're done. That's the gospel. I'm free. There should be a joy. There should be an excitement to our lives. We're not chained to fear. We're not chained to shame. We're not chained to guilt. We're free from legalism. And we're set free. And this is such an important concept for us to grasp. I think as we get older, even as a church, even as a movement at times, we tend to lean toward things that we can do to make us be free. Let's say you have to be set free by Jesus. And the reason I think it, it does show up is I often ask people, what are you reading? What are you learning? How, how's your Bible study going? What is God teaching you? And the predominant image I hear is, oh, I, really see, I really see how I need to grow in this area. And it kind of reveals something. When I read my Bible, oh, here's what I've done wrong. Here's what I need to do right. And that's not always, that, sometimes that's the case, but it should be, man, I see Jesus setting me free. And it motivates me to live in a proper way. The pursuit of freedom is common to all of us. We all desire it at all stages of life. And I encourage you this week to admit your need. Whether non-Christian or Christian, it applies to us all. We need a Savior. You got to make room for the truth. Allow somebody to to be in your life, to teach you, to correct you, to refine your belief system. Don't get angry. Make room for truth. 
And let Jesus set you free. Stop trying to free yourselves by whatever habit or whatever legalistic mindset you have. Only Jesus can set you free. And as he tries to communicate to the Jews here in this passage, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Let us be free, men and women, who take this message to Auckland and New Zealand. Amen. Amen.